Me now for our Master Gardener segment is Master Gardener Barb Lamson. Hey, Barb, how's it going? Hey, Karen, it's really great. This is the most remarkable summer. We're having so many minuses and pluses, and I thought maybe this morning we'd talk about some of the pluses first and then the minuses. Right, and I know one of the things I'm seeing a lot of, I'm really excited, are the lilies. And we have the Asiatic lilies, when we've, we've got the other uh, trumpet lilies. We've got all kinds of lilies coming out now. And now I've got something exciting happening in my home. My 14-year-old son, Grant, is interested in now breeding plants. And so I reached out on the Master Gardener listserv and said, hey, I don't know anything about this. Anybody can help. And I had a lot of responses, including a retired professor from the University of Minnesota who breeds lilies and is a geneticist in so we are starting to breed lilies now Uh, for our own use of course i think that's exciting and you'll have to keep us informed and and i can understand why grant would be interested in the asiatics particularly that is a plant that just keeps on giving i have never had disease on that plant i've never had problems with insects of course deer love them them. (laughs) just like candy they they come and they munch the blooms which is unfortunate and i have had a couple of run-ins with asiatics when I've been out in the garden with white slacks on. Oh, the pollen can be very colorful and staining. Yes, Yes, and actually I would advise you to stay out of the garden with anything white because (laughs) on my white white new slacks, I got a streak on the leg and I even used a little bit of bleach and it didn't come out. So, but other than that perfect plant, and here's what's so exciting. You know, I've had Asiatics all my gardening life and only recently did I realize how the amount of moisture affects them. If you've got good drainage and you get a lot of moisture like we've had this summer, I have some Asiatics that have re- reached the height of four feet now. I have some in the backyard that are four to five feet too that, you know, in previous years, I mean, I know they were younger, but yeah, I think all the moisture is really great for them, but I too much, so. of course, can rot them. Yes, yes, you have to have this good good drainage. And you know, um, as I do with a lot of things, when they start emerging in the spring, I use a very, very light Uh, water-soluble fertilizer, Mm -hmm. watered that in, and I think that got them off to a good start. So uh, the Asiatics, that's one of my absolute pluses. Also, um, drop more Coreopsis. That has gotten taller this year. Now, Coreopsis (coughs) are also known as tick seed. They are, and there's so many different ones, Karen. Right, different varieties. Most are yellow. The the most common are yellow. Yes, Mm -hmm. and there's single bloom, double bloom. This one happens to be a single bloom, and the foliage is very light and airy and feathery. Okay. It reminds me of the foliage on dill, very light like that. It is it is twice as tall as it normally is. I'm just really surprised, and it and it just blooms and blooms and blooms. It seems to be, um, it it's just it's just going crazy in this weather. So I I love that, and then also, I have a raspberry patch, and it is an old patch. It has rejuvenated itself. I have new raspberries coming up in there just all over. It's so oh, so you didn't cut your... See, I have been... I <coughs> thinned mine out, and I also cut all the old canes uh, right. previously. And I have been... When we came back from vacation uh, July 1st, I have been picking and picking and picking raspberry after 
right. di- uh, bowl after bowl, and it's just delicious. But I actually, like I said, I actually cut out the old canes during the yes. winter, thinned them out. Yes. And so I'm surprised you you didn't do no, anything. I always do that. Oh, you but do that. I, I mean, I haven't done anything to replace these. These are the same. Oh, the same old plants canes. in the same place. Ah. They get new canes all the time. Right. And mine are summer bearing, and so. But they've just, uh, they're, they're suckering over is what they do. Right. And and I'm going to have to do something because I won't even be able to walk and get in there pretty soon. But that's just amazing how they're responding to the moisture. Now, um, my garden, my vegetable garden is just responding well, too. I picked my first cucumber, my first head of cabbage, and... Oh, I- I've had... Broccoli, broccoli, and more broccoli. So I've been making broccoli casserole, broccoli, everything. So that's been wonderful. I cut the heads off, and now there's some more little florets coming up. So that's been a real plus as well. Yes, and and also I planted a new variety of peas this year, and I got them in late, but they just took off right away. They're called Little Marvel. And, Karen, I was thinking of you when I planted these because they're so short. And the peas themselves are uh, very uh, small pods. There's only four or five peas, and they're the size of little seed pearls in there. And they are so good. The leaves on them are miniature. So if you want to grow peas, but you don't have a lot of space, or if you want to even grow them in a single container, you could do that with this variety. And they are absolutely delicious. Well, we've been harvesting a lot of peas as well. And we do the, oh, what are they called? The... the the kind Jeff likes. They're not the pod ones. What's the other one? The sugar snap. Sugar snap. Yes. yes. And those we've had a lot of. Out you can at the eat the pea pods and, and the those, whole business. And, yes. And you keep picking them and they keep producing. Yes. And I was going to bring you a dish of these peas so you could see them. But no kidding. They were so good. I ate them instead. <laughs> Sorry about that, Karen. But so so those things, those kinds of things have been pluses. Oh, in addition, I always raise a lot of garlic, a lot of onions. And those things get the seed pods on top. They're called scapes. And I've never eaten them before. Are you supposed <clears throat> to eat them? Yes, you are. Really? So I cut off the scapes on the garlic, and I brought them in, and I cooked them in just some salted water. And then I opened up that, that uh, pod. This is on onions and garlic? garlic both, both, really? yes. Oh. And you get them now before they open up, before they start spreading out and, like, making a flower. They look like a teardrop. Right. Um, I've <laughs> seen them, and I always thought you were supposed to cut them off so all the energy didn't go. You have to cut them off. But, you're but suppo- you can eat them. But you're supposed to eat them. And oh. the reason that they're recommended is because they're milder. These uh, garlic scapes, once you cook them, you open them up, and you scrape out the inside, and it's like a, a very mild garlic butter almost. Okay. And you can put that into pesto, or you can put that in uh, anything you want to flavor with that. And the same is true of the onions. The other thing about the onions is, I see this at the garden now, where the where the uh, top starts getting long, and people step them over. Don't do that. Okay. Don't step them over. We used to do that too. My my mom and dad they'd say, okay, you gotta you gotta trample tramp them down, and that yeah. was always fun for us. So why, what was the reasoning back then? I I think that they used to come up out of the soil, yeah. and they thought that by pushing them down more, but you know oh, okay. that the tops 
that's the plant factory. Yeah. And once you break that off or step that down, you've ruined their a, chlorophyll. Yeah, 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 it's a it's a detriment. So so don't do that. But for heaven's sakes, cut off the very ends, which are the scapes, and eat them. And if you don't have any, you'll find them at the farmer's market. People always bring them in. They sell scapes? Yes, they do. They sell scapes. Honestly, that's something new to me, Barb. And and if you just want to make soup, Karen, uh, just put the the scape in there, and and the flavoring comes off from that little piece of stem that you're going to put with it. But you can't let it get too ripe, because don't they get a bunch of seeds and stuff? Yes. So just when they just start. Yes, when they start. They're they're beautiful. It's almost like somebody took a a decorator and made a swirly top like you get on a cupcake or something. I Mm. just, I love that. So they're doing great, and that's great. Okay, here's... You know, we don't want to talk about minus things or negative things, but there are some negatives with the rain. One of the things... Well, flooding, of course, being obvious. Yes, but for gardeners, with this, you know, just a small garden, you go out and you notice the different difference quite quickly. I found underneath some rhubarb leaves massive amounts of earwigs. Oh, I have two, Barb, and oh. they are just, they're chewing a lot of stuff. In fact, when yes. I picked those broccoli heads I told you about, yes. as I was cutting it, the board started filling with these little earwigs crawling away, so I was taking a paper towel and boom, 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 picking them up. So I know I didn't eat any because I was very careful to cut through, but they are, yeah, they are everywhere right now. They are, and, and the rhubarb leaves that were laying on the ground, see, they love that, so they're covered up. Because it's, it's moist, wet underneath. damp. Yep. Yes, it's the perfect environment, <clears throat> and if if I said there was fifty there, you there know w- there's five hundred million. <laughs> it, 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 I, it, I just lot. you know they start scrambling as soon as oh, I was in there, but um, they are out there and they they don't care if it's a flower if it's a vegetable they will chew on anything. Well, I was at Drummer's. We were picking out our lilies for Grant last night because he's going to breed them. Remember, mm-hmm. so I asked Johanna there about my earwig issue. I says, well, they were right in my cauliflower heads, I says, and that was so gross. She, she suggested a non-harmful method is diametaceous earth. Yes. And she says some people, and you, I mean, it doesn't hurt if you eat that stuff. It's just um, basically ground up shells and things. But that, she said, is something you can use that's not harmful. So you can sprinkle diametaceous earth around and they go in there and it kills them, but it won't harm you. Well, you know, I've been putting um, the oyster shells that you feed your chickens. Oh, okay, that. And and that's that's rough like that too. It's much cheaper. You buy it. Oh, buy is it a okay? Thirty pound bag, twenty five really? pound bag. Oh yeah. Where do you get oyster shells from? Now this is my dear husband. He takes care of these things for me, and I don't know where he bought it. I think it was at the farm store. So though. farm stores might have. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And you get a great big bag of that. And I've been out sprinkling that. I mean. I am just watching everything. There's um, uh, some, my apple tree has probably got uh, anthracnose or some fungal disease and it's dropping leaves and you're supposed to rake them up as soon as they drop so it doesn't live in the ground. So I've been doing that. So there are fungal diseases. that's bad. If you can just get any way where you can get better air circulation, that's good. <clears throat> and then um, uh, we also have a raccoon in our yard. And you know, I'm very fond of organic kinds of fertilizers yes. and anything organic. <laughs> so, and, f- and guess what raccoons love? Fish. And guess what one of the things you use is? Crab meal. Yeah. And guess what they did? Uh-oh. This And it's got to be a raccoon. So... 
all of my dahlias that oh. were in the ground <gasps> were dug up because oh, I had no. that in the bottom. Oh, yes. The ones that I started in pots that were at least... Yeah. Uh, in pots? In pots oh, that my. I started were 20 inches tall and put in. They dug it dug all the way around the sides with its paws looking for this and throwing out the dirt. Oh, the, the crab meal smell. Y- yes. Gee. And then the ones that I still had oh. that where I thought, well, I have a few extra of these. You know, I wasn't going to plant them. I guess I'm going to plant them. I guess I got room. So I dug oh. a hole, put them in, uh, and I put the, the crab meal in the bottom, you know, mixed it up with some soil. And I didn't look there for about two days, went out, and there the roots laid out and the hole was dug. And I thought, oh, I know what this is, you know, this, uh, that is a raccoon. So, so that's, that's been nasty too. Then we have a rabbit that has gotten into our yard. I think it must have come. A rabbit, come on. You only have a rabbit. I've got so many rabbits. They're eating my hosses. I think it's only one. (coughs) You have a fence though, so yeah. We have the fence and we have boards at the bottom. I have brick going up. There's no way you can get through that. But we've been doing a lot of work on our deck and had the gate open. And oh, I think it's possible. In. Yeah, they came in. So uh, that I, doesn't have anything to do with the rain, except that everything is so lush. This little bugger is just eating everything in sight, which makes me extremely unhappy. Well, me too. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got the earwigs eating things. And, you know, I've heard some reports, some people have seen some Japanese beetles. I have not yet. But, uh, you know, when they come, they love roses. They love my hearty hibiscus. Yes. So I'm on the lookout for them. And Usually I handle them. Uh, I haven't had such a mass number like some people have that I've been able to pick them off. But I know they come and if they yes. come in large numbers, boy, they are. And don't yeah. use traps because traps attract more because it's that pheromone yes. that smell that attracts them. Yes. yes, you'll get the ones in your yard attracted to it, but also all right. over the neighborhood. So You know, up at Good Council, uh, we raise our potatoes in raised beds up there and we have three separate beds. And in the one bed and only the one bed, um, I have uh, beetles, potato uh, beetles. Oh, you do? A- and Now, what do they look like? Because I have not seen any yet, and I'm concerned about them. They're my- orange and black, and if they lay eggs and you turn the leaf over, uh-huh. you will see these little yellow or orange spots, Ooh. and you have to crush all of that. And they seem to cluster together. Now, mine are at the top of the plant where the blooms are, and and you almost if if we could use a high pressure hose after I picked all the beetles and the eggs off, it would be good to take a high pressure hose and just spray really good because there might be something there. Does soapy water help with that? Them, it, you know? it it would, but um, getting them loose is is I is think key. getting okay. them off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because so, I I just hilled my potatoes this past weekend, um, and they I just noticed they starting to bloom. So mine because I got mine in kind of late, and so I I don't know when the the critical phase is. When do the beetles generally come? Is it a timing thing? Can I put like a, a cover over them to help, or what yeah, would you suggest? Yeah, I I think uh, I I think whenever. I think whenever they're in the mood, I I don't know. There seems to be, (laughs) uh, we were always thinking that because we planted our potatoes later, we were missing them, that there was sort of timing with that. But maybe the weather has thrown them off too. So I really, I don't know, Karen. But when they come, you just have to be really diligent about turning the leaf over and just get your nose right down in there and inspect. 
that's the best way to go. You know, you mentioned the rains, and this is kind of a bad thing. There's been a conversation on the Minnesota, or the Master Gardeners um, site about flooded gardens. So if you've had a flooded garden, there's concern about the safety of your vegetables. Um, and why is that? Well, because sometimes when gardens are flooded, some of the rains may bring in uh, fertilizers from areas and you can get the E. coli. And so that one of the things that was mentioned that uh, uh, the flooding of that, remember that big outbreak, the E. coli outbreak in the lettuce? Um, The FDA had announced that lettuce E. coli outbreak source was thought to have come from the water through a canal because of flooding. And so, I mean, it could be a possible issue here too. So when you got to keep that in consideration and, um, you know, I'm sure most people don't necessarily have that maybe big of a garden but if you do and it's in a lower spot you could be facing this and you want to be careful about eating those those vegetables you know uh, one of the other things that i've noticed uh the vines i have hops i have uh, dropped more honeysuckle i vines and the grapevines they have grown so fast (laughs) that i've been to the recycling on third avenue with things to go out there the vines and things and been there i think four times now now i've started loading up the pickup again and i came to one conclusion karen you know our pickup box is loaded it is loaded it it is lined with plastic it has a liner in it and then you cover it and there's a and the top is um uh, black also like a tarp and, almost and it's sort. but it snaps on it right. and it's really tight mm-hmm. and the other day I had some things in there and I opened it up it must have been 160 degrees in there oh, it was so hot I thought wow maybe this is a great idea I compost should have a <laughs> compost time can you imagine driving around and making compost in the back of your truck <laughs> now my husband would just absolutely have a fit right and he cleans this box <laughs> he sweeps it out he washes it out he keeps it clean and my idea but i thought well now here's something maybe a person could have great big plastic bins in the back of their pickup and you could you could be making that that you mean driving around making compost all the time yeah if you're not hauling anything you might as well make it useful right well and and look at this space you park your pickup out in the sun you right. know it would just really break down really fast now or uh, you could park it somewhere where it was going to break down in, in the heat yeah and then if it rained you just take the cover <laughs> off your plastic bin and get rained on you know and you could if it was tight you could turn it upside down you know just like when you're you know mixing I'm just things up. picturing the uh, you suggest this to the auto industry they'll be completely new uh, meaning for green vehicles and and it'll be there for the go. garden you know this new green vehicle for the gardener and it'll create compost in the back absolutely oh i love it yeah oh i i i hope my husband's not listening today because <laughs> he'll say that's it you know that you're not hauling anything in my truck anymore yeah exactly and i just got tim telling him you know what would we do without a pickup that is such a useful vehicle for those of us who who do all this cutting and pruning and digging and and uh, and and we're so lucky to have this free uh, site where we can bring branches and vines and anything organic like that. So uh, it's it's been a it's been a good week. It was wonderful to have a holiday during the week. Uh, and thank you, Barb. While I was on vacation, you watered some things. Although we had so much rain, you really probably didn't have to do a whole lot. No, but I did run around and 
take care of the containers. I was more yes. concerned about that because with the wind, we had wind while you were gone. And then I left for a couple of days and went to northern Minnesota. And hey, I want to tell you, I had a, a real wonderful experience visiting with the people who had bought my grandfather's farm. It's over a century old. Uh, my granddad homesteaded it in 1909, built the house, and they were showing me the basement. And they knew my grandfather personally. He oh, sold wow. this house to them, and they have never moved off that farm. And that's something. And now their son has taken over the farm. And the foundation on this house was built with rock that they'd picked from the field. And the walls of the basement, the basement walls were three feet deep. Can were you, they rocks and yes, ma masonry rocks. or some sort? No, and cemented together. Okay. And unusual in, in his time, he had a cement basement floor. So And the house was a full three stories high with a walk-up wow. attic. And I just thought, how did they build scaffolding and things to... He built it all himself. Isn't that something? He, my grandfather. Well, you know, back in the day, that's what they had to do, I think. Yes, yes, they did. Absolutely. And using the resources that that were there. So I can imagine <clears throat> going and hauling all these rocks home and then picking the right ones. And, of course, digging that basement. That must have been, you know, I said to David, how would you dig a basement like that? And he said, probably with a shovel, you know, just one shovel full at a time. So that was really quite remarkable. And the other thing that was quite remarkable, um, Annabelle Shervested, who is a widow now and still lives there, um, she's 93 years old, and she said when they moved there, uh, my grandfather told them about the oak trees that are in the front yard. He and my grandmother planted every single one of them. And it's very unusual that you have these really old, old oak trees like that that haven't succumbed to the oak disease. But it must be that they're, the spacing is good, the, the tops aren't crowding each other. And I thought, wow, you know, they took me all over the house. This is where my mom slept when she was growing oh, wow. up. This and is you where hadn't she, been here in a long time? or I'd never been to that never place. Been there. Never been there, no. And went to the country school that she went to and the cemetery where my grandparents were buried. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And and I hope that anybody listening, if you have a chance to, to uh, look up your history and find out where these ancestors were and think about the struggles that they had so that you could be here today. Remarkable, just remarkable. Well, and, and did you see any old gardens, maybe peonies or old things that were still there? Because, you know, I remember at my grandma's house and she had old apple trees and I remember they had the bleeding hearts the old-fashioned bleeding hearts and the, the the peonies and things like that sure. and if you know you have an old farmstead that hasn't been modified you might still have some of those originals from way back in your grandmother's yes. day. Yes well of course in the oak trees and the whole grove of sure. trees but um, right alongside the driveway there was a bed a flower bed a perennial flower bed and there were peonies in there and there were uh, bleeding hearts in there. Okay. And so. I have to find out if 
uh, next year when I go to visit, if I can bring something to put into my grandma's really, you're gonna oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have to think about that what that should be, and if she'll let me do that, that'll be great. And I'm so happy that the farm is is remaining in their family. That's just so great, and it's amazing with all the farms that are going on. Yeah, business, so. and you know, like uh, my cousin. Uh, 2,000 acres. You know, those fields are so enormously big, and the equipment is so big. Those those uh, uh, tractors that have the, um, like a caterpillar. The tracks, yeah. The tracks on them, just enormous. And the trucks, the number of trucks that they have that haul the wheat from the field and the corn. It just, it just it really... It sure has changed back when my dad used to talk about they use horse horses to plow the fields and to harvest the hay and all that and yeah. I mean, what a difference yeah it certainly is and and how wonderful and you know what was really interesting is they are just having their uh peony show now oh wow because they're so far north yeah uh, right because here of course they've been done for a while, and, a while and things are slower than normal but i thought that was quite interesting too that we had peonies around uh <clears throat> Memorial Weekend, right. or, or a week or two after Memorial Weekend. So, yeah, exactly. Well, I want to thank you, Barb, for coming on the show. And thank until you. next time, happy gardening. Thank you, Karen. All right. It is 10 o'clock, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning at KMSU.